Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here this morning. We are, we are so happy that you're here, and we welcome you, and, and we just pray that God will bless you in a very special way today. It's a beautiful, bright, crisp morning out there, but the fellowship inside is warm, and we're glad that you are here to enjoy that fellowship with one another and with God. Um, we uh, welcome our guests, especially today. Uh, you are very important to us, and we're glad that you are here, and we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord together. Uh, just a few announcements. I'd like to ask if you would to uh, take the attendance sheets uh, on the end of each row and uh, sign that, put your name and address, your email address, your phone number, and check the appropriate box on there. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it, and then pass it down the row and and um, so we're going to have a record of your attendance. And especially if you would like to uh, receive our uh, email newsletter that we send out every Thursday, be sure to put your email address on there uh, so that we can, we can get you on the list and send that to you on Thursday. A few other things that are coming up. Uh, this afternoon, immediately after the worship service, our kids have a special outing. They're going to hang out here at church for a, for a little while and, and have some hot dogs uh, for lunch. And then they're going to the Lloyd Pool. Uh, and I, I know you're thinking it's February. It's 20-something degrees out there. Well, that's what makes it special. It's an indoor pool, and, uh, and uh, so it's warm, and it'll be a lot of fun. So some of you kids, if you, all of you kids, if you would like to participate in that, just hang out after the worship service, and we invite you to do, to do that. Uh, the cost for that is $2.50. Also, tomorrow, the Women's Mission Group will be meeting at Teresa Kritzer's house, and uh, I know that you'll want to be a part of that. And next Saturday, uh, we, you may notice that, that there's still a lot of debris left, left around the, in people's houses and stuff. And our mission team decided that we want to help some folks, especially some of our, our older folks who have not had, uh, been able to uh, or had the opportunity to uh, clean up the debris in their house, uh, at, uh, at their houses after the storms. And so we're developing a list of folks that we can help if you need some, some help if you need some help let us know and if you can help meet us at Cracker Barrel Saturday morning at 730 and we'll kind of go our different ways to help some folks who, who need this help so uh, if you need help give me a call and if you can help if you can bring some chainsaws and rakes and uh, and work gloves and trailers and trucks and things like that. We'll meet at Cracker Barrel next, uh, uh, next Saturday at 7.30. And we'd like to have an idea, so I think there's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board here. Uh, if you can help, uh, please, please sign up down there. Uh, we're glad that you're here today, and, um, and it's a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord, to worship the Lord together. Let me invite you to stand up and turn around, shake the hands of the people around you, and just greet each other in the name of the Lord. Thirty six, right? Oh. Yeah, on how great is our God. On both of them you come in later. I'll be there somewhere back there. It's probably 
us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day, and we thank you for everyone here in this congregation. We thank you for the fact we can come here and sing praises to your name, Lord. Just help us to keep in mind while we're here and to honor you and, and to give praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. On this next song, it's a, a, song, a new song that we, I don't think, have done, and we want to sort of introduce it to everybody. I'm not sure if many of you have heard it. You can follow along on the words, and the chorus is really easy, so if you could sing along on that if you feel comfortable with it. But we'd like to just introduce this particular one to you today. It's called Come Home Running. It's by Chris Tomlin.
Hello. Okay, I want to be sure you could hear me. Okay, as you've probably seen in the bulletin, today's service is about friends. And Brother Tim is going to preach about my buddy. Now, how many of you know what a friend is? You know what a friend is? Okay, what is a friend? Okay, a friend is someone that likes you, he said. How many of you have at least one buddy or friend, somebody that likes you? Oh, and look out here. How many of you people out here do? Okay. Well, here at Community Baptist Church, we're all each other's friends. So turn around and look at how many friends all of you have. You probably have friends that you didn't even know you had, right? We have a lot of different friends, and we have a lot of different places that we can make friends. Uh, we make friends at school, don't we? At church. Grown-ups make friends at work. I have a picture here of some of my friends. I have a lot of friends from a lot of different places, and once upon a time, I taught school for a long time. And this is a picture of some of my buddies from teaching school. These were other teachers that I was friends with. And one of my friends gave me this for Christmas one year. We have gotten together every month for over 30 years, long time, isn't it? And shared a meal together. And at Christmas, we always make things for each other. And so one of my friends made me this dresser tray it's made out of a picture, and I thought she's pretty clever, don't you think? And put a picture of all of us together during one of our Christmas celebrations. So tell me, what are some things then that friends do together? Um, they share. They share. Oh, yes, they share good times. What else do they share? Um, they share toys. Toys? Yeah, they share toys. They share their things. When you feel sad and blue, what do friends do for you? What do they do for you? They cheer you up. They're there for you through thick and thin. They're there when you have good times, and they're there when you have bad times. And that's what my friends have done. Yes, what? Just want to wave? Okay. <laughs> I think he's run out of ideas. Okay, so let's th go back and talk about our friends again. Our friends share good times with us. They share their belongings with us. Sometimes we do things for our friends, and sometimes they do things back to us. But we all have one really special friend who's always there for us, never, ever going to let us down. And we come to church to visit, especially with that friend. And who am I talking about? Jesus. You know, there's an old church song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And that's true. He is the best friend we could ever hope for. For one thing, he's always there. We can always talk to him. He is there in our good times, and he's there when we're sad, and he always knows the way to help us out. Now, he said right off the bat that friends share. Now, what kind of friend would I be if I came today 
without something to share. So before you go back to your seat, come back and I will share a piece of candy with you, okay? And as we worship today, let's remember we're talking about our best friend, Jesus. All right, come on, don't be bashful. <laughs> Just Hershey's. Oh, yeah, a Hershey's thing. I'm sure your mothers will love me for this. Oh, now just get one so everybody can have one, okay? We're, we're sharing. We want to be sure. Kids. I get one for my mom. Okay. All right. I got two. You got two. Okay. Go share it with somebody, okay? <laughs> Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, and we will be reading verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days. It was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word of God to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they lay down the mat on which the paralytic lay. 
When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up and take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is the word of God given for you and for me. Thanks be to God.
as I reflected on the Sunday school lesson today, the prayer of Jehoshaphat started the same way that the model prayer the Lord taught us to say. And Jehoshaphat gave thanks to all the blessings that the Lord had showered upon Israel in the past. And I think that's what we're supposed to do. And as I look out here, I see so many friends, some from some years ago. Uh, and I still remember being there. We have two visitors here from Madisonville, Kentucky. Uh, and I was in their Sunday school class. I'm not going to point them out. So don't want to embarrass them. But if you see somebody you don't know, ask them if they are Herb's friends. Uh, <laughs> delighted to have you all. But, and I'm sure we can all look around here and see so many friends that have been so helpful and so supportive. And so as we go to the Lord in prayer and give him a portion of what he's given us, let's reflect on that. Let's pray. Dear God, you are so active in our lives. You're in our hearts, and you send angels to guard us, and you send friends to walk with us. We thank you for so many blessings that you have given us, and we thank you for this opportunity to give a portion of what you have given us financially back to you. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Aren't you glad that Christ has chosen us to be his friend, to be his friend, his beloved, chosen us to live forever with him? Chuck Shepard tells about a humorous event that took place in England a few years ago. It, at least it was, it's humorous to us. It may not have been so funny to the person that it happened to, uh, but apparently at the end of a soccer game, a player named Steve Morrow scored the winning goal that gave his team the league championship. And so to celebrate, his teammates tossed him up into the air. But unfortunately, they failed to catch him when he came back down. So Morrow was carried off the field on a stretcher with a broken arm and an oxygen mask. Now think of that. His friends threw him up into the air, but they weren't there to catch him when he came back down. Some friends, huh? Well, I thought about this incident as I was considering our scripture lesson for today. Jesus was in Capernaum, and word had gotten out that he was in town, 
And so people started crowding into the home where he was staying. And soon the place was filled to overflowing. People were crammed in everywhere. It was elbow to elbow, and crowds were even pressing in outside the door. No one could get close to him if they were not already inside the house. And then four men came, bringing with them a man who was paralyzed. And since they could not get to Jesus through the door, they made an opening in the roof and lowered him down to the floor where Jesus could not miss him. Now, this is not as shocking as it might sound that they would cut a hole through somebody's roof. William Barclay tells us that Palestinian houses were small and square, and to try to get in through a window would be hopeless because the windows were too small. However, Palestinian houses had flat roofs, and the roofs were often used for many purposes. They would be used for storing things or for drying flax or as a quiet place to go for prayer and solitude. And for that reason, there's, there was almost always an outside stairway that led up to the, to the roof of the house. The roof consisted of beams that were laid wall to wall, and the beams were approximately three feet apart. And then the spaces between the beams were filled with closely packed reeds and rushes and the branches of thorn bushes. And then this was filled up with and, and covered over with mortar, which was then topped off with a covering of loose sand or clay. So it was easy to get up on, onto the top of the roof by way of the stairs. And it was also easy to remove the, the filling between the two, two of the beams there. And it didn't really do all that much damage to the roof, not so much that it couldn't be easily repaired. So it was understandable that when these men discovered that they could not bring their friend to Jesus through the doorway, that they would go up to the top of the roof and bring him in through the roof. And so that is precisely what they did. Well, Mark tells us that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. What a contrast. The soccer player in England was thrown up into the air by his friends and then promptly forgotten at a very inconvenient time. And so he fell to the ground and was injured. But in contrast to that, we have the men in Jesus' story who remembered their friend and carried him on a mat and then lowered him gently through the roof to be in the presence of Jesus where he was healed. Personally, I would like to think that this is how the people of any church would be. Maybe a Sunday school class or a Bible study group or, or anybody. I would hope that we would never forget a friend and let that person crash. Instead, we would remember our friend and, and bring our friend to Jesus. Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman once noted that in the Bible it is recorded that Jesus personally healed some 40 people. And of this number, 34 of them were brought 
to Jesus by a friend or a family member. Or Jesus was taken to that person by a friend or a family member. Only six of the 40 people healed in the Gospels found their way to Jesus without the, the assistance of someone else. And you know what this says to me? This tells me that a true friend is someone who will bring you to Jesus. I want you to think about that for a moment. You may have some friends who, by their attitudes or their actions, actually drive you away from Jesus. Maybe their values don't bring, uh, bring out the best in you. Or maybe they attempt to, uh, or they tempt you to do something that you know is wrong. And they may not be bad people. They may not be bad people. It's just that, that faith doesn't play a very important role in their lives. And, and so they make all of their decisions based solely on what feels good to them or what is in their best interest. They may use you. And they may drop you if it, if it suits their fancy, like the soccer players dropped that guy in England. You may even have some acquaintances who would actually abuse you if you didn't stand up for yourself. A new phrase crept into our vocabulary a few years ago. The phrase is hostile work environment. Our courts have ruled that there are some actions that have no place in the workplace, in the work environment. Things like leering or making offensive remarks about someone's looks or clothing or body parts or uh, touching someone in a way that makes that person feel uncomfortable telling lewd jokes or hanging provocative posters or making sexual gestures or sending suggestive letters and notes and emails or images. This is also true of racially derogatory comments and gestures and pictures and drawings, things that could offend a particular racial group or ethnic group. All of these things contribute to a hostile work environment. And as a society, we have decided that, that people should not have to endure behavior or language that makes them feel devalued. But you know something? A hostile environment is not restricted only to the workplace, is it? We as Christians should be well aware of how easy it is to create a hostile spiritual environment anywhere we are especially if we are prone to go with the crowd and, and not stand up for ourselves. My friends, we need, we need to stay away from people who try to get us to betray our values or to involve us in actions that we know are not in keeping with the principles of our faith. We may even have some friends and acquaintance who, who act, acquaintances who actually push us away from Jesus. I have seen this so many times before, especially with, with people who are addicted to drugs or alcohol. If a, if a person is trying to, to pull his or her life together and, and trying to drag themselves out of the hole of addiction, many of their friends are trying just as hard to drag them back down into the hole with them. And by doing that, they are creating a hostile spiritual environment those are people that we need to stay away from but on the other hand 
I hope and I pray that we all have other friends who actually help us to draw closer to Jesus. These are the people we should cherish in our lives. These are people of character. These are people of faith. And these are people who are in tune with the right values. These are true friends. Friends who will bring you to Jesus. But a true friend is also someone who is there when you need them. Folks, when we are in need, that's when we discover who our true friends really are. They're there when we need them. They are there, as Phyllis was mentioning earlier, in the good times and in the bad times. When we're sad, they are there to cheer us up. When we, are, when we need something, they are there to help us find it. When we don't have a piece of candy, they're there to hand it to us. A true friend is someone who is there when we need them. Some of you were undoubtedly fans of the award-winning West Wing television series several years ago, uh, but you may remember an episode in which uh, Deputy Chief of Staff Josh Lyman was shot and wounded when the presidential party was attacked by two gunmen. And some weeks after the shooting, as he was recovering from his injuries, Josh began to behave in a, in a manner that was rather wild and, and really dangerous. And, and so the president ordered him to be interviewed by a traumatologist, someone who specializes in helping people deal with trauma in their life. And, and in this interview, Josh allows his vulnerability to come to the surface. But after he does this, he's afraid that because he has allowed himself to be vulnerable in this way, he's afraid that he will lose his job. Well, after the interview was over, Josh walked outside the door and found his boss, Chief of Staff Leo McGarry, waiting for him outside. And Josh hesitantly admits that he has been behaving rather extremely. And, and at this point, Leo tells him a story. And here's the story. The story goes like this. This guy's walking down the street when he falls into a hole, and the walls of the hole are so steep that he can't get out. Then a doctor walks by, and the guy shouts up, Hey, can you help me get out? And the doctor writes out a prescription and throws it down into the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes by, and the guy shouts up, Hey, Father, I'm down in this hole. Can you help me get out? And so the priest writes out a little prayer on a piece of paper, drops it in the hole, and moves on. And then, then a friend walks by and he says, Hey, Joe, I, I, it's me. I'm down here. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps down into the hole with him. And then the guy says, Are you stupid? Now we're both in the hole. But the friend replies, Yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Now, if you know the story behind in West Wing about Leo, Leo is a recovering alcoholic himself. And what he is saying to Josh is that he's been down in that hole before. 
And as a friend, he wants to help his friend find the way out. This man, this man in our lesson for today, this man who was paralyzed, had friends who were like that. They gathered around him to help him find the help that he needed. And it is precisely in times of crisis when we find out who our true friends are. You know, some people actually flee from us when we're in trouble. Others ignore us. And they're too busy looking after their own needs. But, but a true friend will seek us out and will help us get whatever assistance we may need. And what a gift it is to have a friend like that. A true friend will bring you to Jesus. And a true friend will always be there when you need them. But there's one more thing that our text says today about friendship. And that is that we need to be a friend to others. Like these men were who brought the paralyzed man to Jesus. We need to be a friend like that. Folks, do you know the best way what the best way is to make sure that people are there when you need them you know what the best way is to make sure that people are there when you need them here it is it's to be there when they need you there it is and I think that the wisest thing a person can do throughout a lifetime is to build up a reservoir of friends Unfortunately, this is a lesson that, that some people never learn. I heard about one man who complained about being lonely, and so he was advised to make three new friends and see what happens. And he said, later, I made three new friends and nothing happened. Now I'm stuck with three new friends. <laughs> well, you know, some people feel like that, don't they? They don't want to be bothered with making new friends. And it's true. Sometimes making friends can be awkward. It's hard sometimes. You've been there before. You know? You've, you've been in school. You've been the, been the new person in the office. You know, you've been there. It's hard, the new person coming into a church for the first time. It's hard and it's awkward sometimes. I heard about an elementary school teacher who who really wanted all of her students to feel like, like they belonged. She really wanted everybody to fit in and, and to be together. And, and one day during recess, she noticed that, that there was this one little girl standing all by herself on one side of a playing field while all the rest of the students were, were playing soccer at the other end of the field. And so the teacher came up to this little girl and asked her if she was all right, and the girl said, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. But a little while later, the teacher noticed that the girl was still standing in that same spot. She was still standing there by herself, nobody else around her. And so the teacher went over to her and, and she asked, Would you like for me to be your friend? And the little girl looked at her teacher and said, uh, Okay, I guess. And so she felt like she was making progress. And so the, the teacher asked, Why are you standing here? all by yourself. And so the little girl looked at the teacher and said with great exasperation, because I'm the goalie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I 
Folks, it's not easy to make friends sometimes. And sometimes we do stand at the end of the field, and sometimes we feel a little awkward about it, and sometimes we're not comfortable putting ourselves out there. But folks, let me tell you something. There are few things that you can do that will more surely enhance the quality of your life than to make friends. It will certainly make your life more enriching and more joyful. And that's why Jesus, I believe, was so, it was so important to him to build a community. Not just a group of people who come together to worship once a week or come together to study once a week, but to build a community of friends. And that's why Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you my followers, but I call you my friends. Because it's important for us to fulfill the kingdom plan of our God. To be friends. To be together. Bonded together in a spirit of love. In his book titled Men of Integrity, Stu Weber tells about the training that he received during the Vietnam War. He was in the U.S. Army Ranger School at Fort Benning, Georgia. He says that it was brutal. He says that he can still hear the raspy voice of his sergeant. We are here to save your lives. We're going to see to it that you overcome all your fears. We're going to show you just how much stress the human mind and body can endure. And when we're finished with you, you're going to be the best. And then before the sergeant dismissed the formation, he announced that, that they were about to have their first assignment and the young recruits were stealing themselves for something really tough like a 10-mile march or a 10-mile run in full battle gear or rappelling down a sheer cliff. But instead, the sergeant told them, here's your first assignment. Find a buddy. Find yourself a ranger buddy, he growled. You will stick together. You will never leave each other. You will encourage each other. In, and if necessary, you will carry each other. It was the Army's way of saying difficult assignments require a friend. And together is always better. And that's very biblical. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have good reward for their work. If they fall, one will lift up the other, but woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Here's the question for you today. Who's your ranger buddy? Who are those people who you know will be there when you really and truly need a friend? And most importantly, who are those people who know that you will be there for them when they need a friend? It's an important question. And so let me say it again. The wisest thing that a person can do through a lifetime, besides building a relationship with Jesus Christ, is to build up a reservoir of friends friends 
And of course, our best friend, our best friend is Jesus. He is the one that these four men brought this paralyzed man to. And I have a feeling that the reason they did that is because they knew that this was a man who would not let them down. They knew that even though the crowds were pressing in upon them, and they had to do something radical to get his attention, like digging out the, the roof, they knew that he would not turn them away because he's that kind of friend. And he wants to be that kind of friend to you as well. Jesus is one who will never turn you away. Jesus is one who will look at you when you come to him and say, just like he said to that paralyzed man, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. That is the friendship that God has for us. And it is all based on the love and the grace of mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you to be his friend as well. A friend is someone who brings you to Jesus. A friend is someone who is there for you when you need them. But in order to have friends like this, you need to be a friend to others. And that way we build up a network of friends. We'll be there for them. They'll be there for us. And the greatest friend of all is our Lord Jesus. Because Jesus will never let us down. This is the word of God for you. For me. This is the gospel. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. Number 564. Make me a channel of blessing. It's a wonderful hymn. And. Just that first verse, is, is your life a channel of blessing? Is, is the love of God flowing through you? Are you telling the lost of a Savior? Are you ready His service to do? It's talking about being a friend. It's talking about being enough of a friend that you would, you would give yourself away in service to God and service to others. And that's the kind of friend that God is calling us to be. God wants to be our friend and God wants us to be friends with each other. If you've never made that friendship relationship with, with the Lord, we invite you to do that today. We're going to sing this song and we invite you to make that decision to be God's friend because God wants to be your friend. And all you have to do is to, is to, to come to Him and, and to accept the love that He has for you. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. You may want to come and unite with our church today. Or perhaps God's dealing in your heart in some other way. Maybe you just need to come for prayer today. We invite you to come to be God's friend and to be friends with one another. Would you come as we sing?
as we leave this place, may we never forget that Christ is our greatest friend. It is Christ who fulfills our every need and makes us whole. But also let us never forget that it is our friends who bring us to Christ, that we may experience the richness of God's blessings. May we be such a friend that we would be there when our friends need us, and that we may be such a friend that we would not keep the blessings of Christ a secret, but that we would share them openly with our friends. No greater love has anyone than this, that they would lay down their lives for a friend. Amen.